What is up, everybody? Welcome to Trending for Four Quarters right here on DSM Media. We're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. You know the deal, everybody. Make sure you click that share button, retweet button, thumbs up on YouTube. You know, smash all those buttons, share it all out, and make sure you turn notifications on. So we got eight shows a week now on DSM Media and more coming, so you don't want to miss a minute of it. Jam-packed show tonight. Lots to talk about, not just Eagles. we got some Sixers and Phillies conversations. With my man here, Joey K from Talking Two One Five Podcast. This guy does some great work. Their whole their whole group there, Frankie, J- uh, Jake, uh, yeah, Jake, you, y'all do some great work over there. So make sure you give them all a follow. Um, really passionate Eagles, Phillies, Sixers fans, Flyers fans, just like us. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm super excited to have you on the show, Joey. I appreciate it, Phil. I know you and I have uh, talked a little bit before on Twitter. I think we even did a couple live things too back in the day when you were opening some chat about talking about the birds in the preseason. So I'm happy to be on here for you, man. We got some things going on in Philly yeah. land, so I'm ready yeah. for it. I, I, I kind of said we got a lot of painful things going on in Philly land right now. And and, and it's kind of frustrating, but that's what we're here to do. We're here to talk. And, and everybody, drop your comments in the comment section. I'm bringing the show up on my phone right now. There's an issue with the StreamYard service right now. Um, if you're on Twitter and you're commenting, I'm going to try to bring them up on my phone so I can you know, address them live on the air. But if you want your, your comments to show up on the screen, Make sure you head over to Facebook or YouTube, um, tap into those networks over there, and that's how you can get in on the show. I know there's a couple dozen people right now watching on, on Twitter. I'll try to bring up any and all your comments on there. Um, so anyway, me and Joey, we got started talking this week, and that, that's why I had to bring them on uh, because the first conversation we had this week, I'm calling it T-shirt gate, okay? So you're wearing your T-shirt. I got my Bud Light Eagles T-shirt on here. Nick Sirianni, obviously the Eagles lost last uh, on Monday Night Football. They got crushed. They got dominated. It was an awful, awful performance. We can all agree on that. Um, I've, I've already started talking about it in the past a little bit, but this week leading up to the game, Nick Sirianni loved his Beat Dallas t-shirt, making sure all the players knew everything about the history of the Eagles-Cowboys rivalry. And I brought up the thought process that he might be pandering to the fans and the players a little too much. And I got my reasons to believe that. And my thought process. But Joey, Joey flat out says no. Um, so I'm going to let you talk about that and why you think that that's not an issue at all. We are well, going to be in hashtag Team Joey on Twitter right now. So <laughs> I haven't even said anything yet. So, I mean, our, yeah, I know. Got Team you, you Joey got going on here. Out there, Joey. Well, hear me out before you guys go Team Joey. So, because you might not like this, because I might call out a couple, couple of people that like me here. So, Phil, as Philly fans... We are very hypocritical, and I know that's not the cool thing to do on a podcast, not the cool thing to do on social media. We stick together, Philly family versus everybody. I'm going to be real with you. Ever since the social media boom, everybody and their mother has an opinion, and it's not always right, and you don't always got to agree with it. One of them is this pandering thing that I don't agree with you on, and I'll tell you why. First of all, a T-shirt, a jersey, a shirt, a polo, whatever you want to call it, has absolutely nothing to do with the game plan coaching anything 
I understand where you're going to go with this. I understand where you're going to say their focus is. But one thing that I think is hypocritical about a lot of Philly fans is when we hire a new coach, we trade for a new player, we draft a guy, we sign a free agent. We want them to buy into Philly. We want video of them eating cheesesteaks. You know, we want them going to, um, you know, the local hot spots in Philly. We want them ringing the bell at a Sixers game. If throwing out the first pitch at a Phillies game, you name it. We want them, even if they grew up a Cowboys fan like Bryce Harper, we want them in the box wearing Eagles gear. And he's done that. Embrace the city. We always talk so much trash about being four for four, embracing the city. Embrace I talk five Philly. for five. Don't five forget about the Philadelphia Union. Union. Philadelphia Union, one of the best teams in the city. Exactly. Probably the best. They are the best. Yeah, probably at this point. We, yeah. But we always preach that as fans. We always Absolutely. preach that to everybody saying, come on, I need you to be involved. This is what Philly is. This is why it's so great here. And then the second somebody says, you know what? I'm going to talk to you guys about this Dallas-Philly rivalry. I'm going to show you what it means to me. I'm going to show you that I'm entrenched in this rivalry too. We start throwing around words like pandering, and we think somehow that negates him. Guess what? Bryce Harper, quote unquote, panders a lot too. Mm -hmm. He had the Philly fanatic cleats. You know, he does everything. He wears a shirt that says clear water. He, you know, he does all this stuff. He, he's got a shirt with gritty on it too. But we don't say anything about that. You know why? Because Bryce Harper might be the MVP. He's putting up stats. He's producing. Yep. We only have an issue when the results don't meet our already preconceived expectations that we had in our head. So I don't agree with the pandering thing okay. one bit whatsoever. I don't All care right. if he went shirtless. I love the fact that he said it's <laughs> Dallas week. It's, it's not Gabe Kapler. We, we don't need to see him shirtless. <laughs> no, nobody can beat Gabe hey. Kapler shirtless. And I miss Gabe. Good luck to you over there, man, in San Francisco. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing. I don't think it's pandering at all. I love the fact that he dove head first into this rivalry and wanted to say, fans, come out, get loud. It's Dallas week. I'm wearing the shirt. I don't care. These are my boys. I mean, he wears player shirts, too, to show he's got their back. Brandon Graham, you name it. Uh, well, that's part of the issue. It's not just the beat Dallas shirt. Yeah. So first off, I'm going to start start this off with, I tried to get a third guest on the show, okay? So I was going back and forth also with somebody else on Twitter. I don't know if you saw Mark McMillan was on former Eagles cornerback, you know, Mark McMillan. And his exact quote was, shirts don't win games, okay? So but how, did I, you I take that quote, how did you take that quote, Phil? How did you take that quote? Did they lose games, though? No, they, they don't, okay? So here's 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 the whole thing. And, and Scotty, Scotty, uh, Scotty Jones chiming in saying, you know, that you're, you're speaking facts. I, I got lots of people. Results are everything. Bryce Harper, I, you, you kind of threw me off because I take notes, and I took notes. You, you brought up Bryce Harper. So you kind of threw me off a little bit because now I got to talk about Bryce Harper for a second, which he is the MVP. I do have a preseason bet on Bryce Harper winning the MVP. I'm hoping to cash that ticket, you know, no problem. Bryce Harper could have pandered to the crowd and to the fans day one because he had already had results. So the reason why I think it's pandering, it, he'd already been an MVP. He's already led the league in home runs. He was already a superstar. Not with the Phillies. Not with the Phillies. Yeah, exactly. But he was still a star coming here. Nick Sirianni came here, what's he, like 12 years? I think he's younger than both of us, okay? You know, he's a baby. He's got no experience. He was already getting bashed wrongly for his opening press conference, which I thought that was a little too over the top. No one needed to, to bash him for his stuttering and whatnot. And if I got bashed every time I stuttered over my words on the show, dude, I, I would have quit a long, long time ago doing this. But Nick Sirianni has zero experience. Z Nick Sirianni has no way to prove himself to his fellow player, to his team, okay, to the fans, to the media, that he deserves this job in the beginning and now. He's been wearing these shirts since camp, since OTAs. And I've been saying it, you know, in smaller groups that, dude, I want results to speak. I don't want shirts to speak, okay? And let's be honest right now. Results aren't speaking. He spent time literally this week or leading up to this week making the players watch videos of old games. That is exactly the time where you're working on your discipline, your players and the penalties, where you're working on, you know, improving your game plan, you know, getting Jalen Hurts to watch tape, to know when to run, when to pass, when to hand, do whatever it is. He's spending too much time and maybe pandering is the wrong word. Maybe it is. Maybe him winning, trying to win over fans and support is the issue. I want results to speak, not shirts. 
I saw so many people now coming up with new beat Dallas shirts because he wore the, wore it and all. Look, I don't want that. I want wins. I want success, and I want results. The shirts annoy me because he hasn't proven. Even the game they won week one against the Falcons, it wasn't a perfect ball game. There were still a lot of mistakes and a lot of issues in that game. Just luckily we went up against probably one of the worst football teams in the league. You know, I, I just want results. I just want wins. I mean, I want results and wins too, but what I don't understand is why why do we feel like anytime someone does something, a head coach, a player, if a player posts on Instagram that he's at the movies with his wife after you know, after we just lost, why is it that we're like, oh, instead of being at the movies, he should be in his playbook. He should be working on his five-step drop. He should be working on his three-step drop. That's totally, I think that's totally different. But you just said it. You just said you'd rather have Jalen Hurts in his playbook and right. you'd rather in have practice. the discipline of the so players. I'm talking, but Nick Sirianni didn't send them home with a DVD and say, hey, pop this in at home and watch the highlights of Eagles history. He did it during practice. He did it during team meetings. He, he, did, it, he did it during team meetings. He didn't do it during practice when they have team pads on and they're going over plays. Team That's the thing. But, and Eagles practice throughout the week, you have a ton of meetings. You had a ton of times where you're eating in the cafeteria, where you're post-training, you're having your meals, you're having your snacks. You're just with the team. You're sitting in the locker room. You're taking naps. This happens in all, on a professional football team that a lot of people don't realize. So why that's happening, you saw the Doug Peterson thing. Let's have some ice cream. Let's go get some haagen That stuff happens. You see the all the time where, you know, back in the day when we won the Super Bowl, they were playing the Meek Mill videos, all this stuff. There's so much downtime, and during that downtime, he played stuff about the rivalry. This guy is talking about getting entrenched into the rivalry. And you know what? The fans don't have to be the one hiring Nick Sirianni. The city doesn't. The only person that does is Jeffrey Lurie, and then he has to appeal to the players. So if the players have bought in, and I know the results didn't speak for themselves. We played terrible. We lost. But if the players buy in and the owner does and the GM does, then us as fans are just griping about the littlest things here. If we would have won by 80, are we even having this conversation right now? Oh, he wore the beat Dallas shirt. We got got het or hell he, I don't know how to say their Twitter handle, results are everything. If we got the W, people would love the shirts. You got Marla checking in. We talk about practice. The most overrated line and most overused line in Philly sports, you know, interviews. Look, this is something he's been doing. If it was just him wearing a shirt in practice and and a media member from a distance caught a picture of it, but he is just trying to go way over the top with it. Like, what, who does that affect? Does that, affect? that affects me and you. That doesn't affect it the does. players. But I think it, no, see now, and I, I did send a message to, to Mark McMillan. I'm still waiting on a response for this because I did try to get him on the show to talk about it. I'm like, I, I think the pan, whether you, you don't like the word pandering or not, whether it's trying to earn respect or whatever it may be, can him doing this? And the pan, I'm going to use the word pandering because I don't really like any other choice of words there. Can the pandering actually lose respect in the locker room? And and I think it could because you got to. We have a very young team, but on the flip side of the equation, we got a lot of veterans. We got Jason Kelsey, you know Zach Ertz, you know Lane Johnson, guys that have been around the league. Rodney McLeod, Brandon Graham, been around the block a few times. They've been here for multiple coaching, you know, you know groups here. They could be lost if if you lose those guys. Because you haven't earned their respect, you've lost this team. You won't make it through your first year as the head coach of the Eagles if you lose those guys. And I know in the beginning, when he was first hired, Lane Johnson was on board showing support. Jason Kelsey showing support. Zach Ertz said, hey, we've patched our things up. I'm all in and here. But that only goes so far. Results matter to these guys. These guys are in their last their last season, last two or three seasons in the pros. They won another title. They won another title run. They're going to lose, lose respect for this guy. If all he's focused on is making fans and friends and not actually leading them to victory and putting together a game plan, which you know we're going to get into here in a moment, but you but know, see, I, I really think there's, I, I really think the pandering can lose respect in the locker room. The, the the quote unquote pandering. He was wearing shirts of those guys you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. He was wearing BG. He was ke- to Kelsey. He was earn their hurt. respect. Yeah, that's fine. Or to support them, or to support them. But the fact that. Wearing that shirt, which takes three seconds tops to put on, it takes three like five seconds. minutes online to order it. No, he even said that that's been sent to him. The fans are the ones sending him these shirts. He even admitted that. I didn't hear so that. If, if the fans are going to be bought in and sending him shirts, the Jalen Hurts one, the Kelsey, you know, with the parade shirt, he's going to wear it and show support that he's bought in. But at what point would a veteran, would Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, be like, you know what? 
I'm not happy about that T-shirt today. I think I'm gonna miss this block. They're not gonna do that, okay? They are going to be like, hmm, this game plan he's putting together isn't working, and and maybe I was wrong about him because I, I was I was friends with him because he wore my face on his T-shirt or or, or, or liked him because of it. And I was buying in. But you know what? Results are all that matters, and his results aren't working. I mean, it, it, we're three games in to his to his head. You are only three games in, and, and that is something. I, are, are we jumping to conclusions here? Because that is very possible. Without a doubt, whether we're right or wrong, we absolutely are jumping to conclusions because it's been game three. This is not a shirt podcast. We got lots more to talk about than just shirts here. This is just something that me and Joey started doing battle with, and I wanted to get this out in the public here. You know, look, I get what you're saying, and and I, I really do. I just don't want to like the guy because he's showing support to his players by shirts or things he does. You know, someone brought up, it's, it's no different than him saying rock, paper, scissors was part of his interview process, you know, with players. That's again, it, it's different, but again, he's just, I don't know if his makeup is meant to be a head coach in the NFL because he's this kind of a attitude might, might, might move better in the, in the college ranks, in the pro ranks. These are all adults. They don't care about friends and support. They just want to win. They want to earn their next paycheck by having good game film on them. You know, did anybody look good on the game film yet on Monday night? Javon Hargrave. No. Outside, okay. One, one guy maybe. And sip us the punter. Okay. It's really hard to pull positives. They want their game film to look good. So when their next contract comes up, they can get paid again. They, they don't care about supporting shirts and stuff like that. Let me ask you this before we transition into the game plan. If Sirianni comes out and just wears a plain black polo with a little he wore a plain white shirt today on. during his interview. Okay, and he does that. And then we get beat by 50 to the Chiefs. What, what are we talking about this week? Well, it's the Chiefs. So did, he, did, he still, did he still – does he lose the respect of the locker room because he wore a polo? Like, well, yeah. he wasn't trying to be my friend this week even though we got I, the hell beat out of us. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. But that's to me that's still separate. Because he's spending time and effort pandering to the players and to the fans. Three seconds is time and effort? Yeah. Yeah. Three seconds, three minutes, five minutes, whatever it is. It's spending time. How long does it take you to put on a shirt? Friends and respect. How long does it take you to put on a shirt, Phil? Um, I'm pretty uncoordinated. So maybe like seven or eight seconds. Well, Sirianni and a lot of my shirts don't fit, so it's really Sirianni was D three baby. Okay, like my boy can put on some shirts. It's quick. We're ready to roll. (laughs) So I don't think it's taking too much time on anything. The only time we're taking is taking the time to talk about this because I think it's so stupid. All right, we're not going to agree on this, are we? (laughs) No, we're not. We're not. I I know (laughs) it's it's hard. Someone's commenting in. Should he not wear shirts at all? Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't. I don't know what his body look. He might look like. Nico, you know, do you Catwork. know what the Philly media and fans will do if he goes if he doesn't wear a shirt? Let's just say he's shirtless. He'll be like, Sirianni's shirtless. What kind of shirtless? Bare chested. Bear, bears. Nick Foles is on the bears. Are we working a trade for Nick Foles? That's the type of stuff they'll put together for that. Oh my god. We got so many comments coming in here. Majority voted, not sure is, is what the final results on Twitter are. Um, see, we got I, I don't even know. I, thanks for tuning in, Maria. New to the show here. Uh, wish our coach hated the fans. Yeah, I know exactly. Do you see your last name. Andy Reid was never shirtless. That that's a good thing. Thank um, God. Hopefully, hopefully Andy Reid's feeling good and doing good right now. Because no, he got rushed to the hospital after the game the other day. Seemed like he was at his press conference uh, today. All right, so let's get off that. Okay, let's talk about the actual poor results. Okay, from Monday night, we're going up against the Chiefs. Okay, obviously Super Bowl contending team every single year now, coached by one of top five or six coaches of all time, in my opinion, Andy Reid. You know, so now, we also wanted to run out of town, if you don't remember. Yeah, we, we, we I, I think that was different after 20 some years. I kind of think he was, I think he ran his course with the franchise and all, which is fine to an extent. Could we have kept him longer and maybe gotten rid of Howie? That's, that's, that's debatable and all. So two things. Did Jalen Hurts regress? Have we seen regression in him? I know it's only seven starts so far. Or, and I, and I got this, where's my notes here? I was watching your show last night on Talking 215. You see, you, you you brought scheme to personnel. Was that the issue? Was it the scheme that Nick Sirianni was running with the personnel, or is Jalen Hurts in seven games showing a slight regression? So I think anytime we have a sports debate or a conversation in general, we like to think that we have to take one side or another. Mm-hmm. We have to pick white or black, you know, the left or right. We always have to do that. 
But I went back and, you know, like Ron Jaworski likes to say, I watched, I went back and I watched the tape. I watched every play. And yeah, just like the comment we just had right there, the lack of the running game. Look, he's got to own that. We know that Miles Sanders is deadly back there. We've seen what Gamewell can do. I mean, even Boston Scott has shown flashes in the past, but the lack of a run game did not help Jalen Hurts. I will say that. I will also say that since we can only really speak of the past game, we have to analyze it based off that. Absolutely. And there were plays that were left on the field open. There were players that were open. You could probably think of the ones I'm talking about right now, the Dallas Goddard running the drag route wide open. Okay. Devontae Smith on a cross play. Devontae Smith on a cross <laughs> wide open. Wide open, yeah. There's been there's been several times, and this kind of answers your question about regression, and I think that's not the right word, but there's been several times where we've had two-level concepts. And for those listening at home, you have a shallow, you have an intermediate, that's two levels. Three mm-hmm. levels is a deeper route, or if you have the intermediate as the deep route, the swing out the backfield would be the first. Mm-hmm. So we have a tight end in the flat and a receiver over that's a two-level concept. And you read the depth of the defender on who you want to go to. It's been two games in a row now where Hertz has misread that. The Devontae Smith play you're talking about. Yep. He was the over receiver and he was he could over. run for 20 yards on that play. Hertz could have lobbed it to him. He could have darted it to him. He could have done anything on that play. And, and he against, threw a pass to was it Ertz or Goddard that he threw. That, yeah. I mean against San Francisco, he had Goddard in the flats on third and three for a wide open first down. Force it to Smith, who was in coverage, incomplete. We had the punt. So what I was talking about on the Talking 215 podcast is you have scheme versus personnel. Mm-hmm. And the personnel, to give an example, is Devontae Smith, who's a pure route runner, mm-hmm. uh, Keenan Allen, a Marvin Harrison, a Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson. You think about all those receivers I just named and what type of quarterback they have. They have a guy that gets it out quick, who's smart, who's decisive, who doesn't make turnovers. Mm-hmm. But we have a mobile quarterback which is great. You need that in today's NFL sometimes too. But does that hinder Devontae Smith's ceiling because the ball isn't coming out in rhythm on time, fitting his best attributes, which is as a precise route runner, getting into those windows. I wonder if the scheme versus the personnel can be a detriment. I don't think Hertz has regressed because again, it's only been seven games. We saw flashes, but I think he's not where us as Eagles fans expecting results right away want him to be at look I, I think Jalen Hurts we all have to be honest and George George checked didn't check in tonight because I know he's over in England and it's six hour time difference he watches <laughs> almost every show but he sent me messages today to make he's like I can't I can't check in tonight but I got points to make and, and we agree we've always said this season it doesn't matter about wins and losses it, ma- it it matters about progression not regression and all and he said to make sure you know you know you think about that you know what I mean when, when you're talking about the regression aspect of it but I, I loved when you brought up the scheme to personnel because all we heard from the day we hired Nick Sirianni and the entire coaching staff is they were going to develop their scheme based off their personnel. And I don't know did you if you watched uh, Sirianni's press conference today or not. I did. Some of the things he talked about, you know, counting RPOs as run plays in his mind, you know, it, it just seems like everything he talked about, whether it was accountability, whether it was, you know, Smith, you know, 13 targets, only five catches the last two weeks. You know, everything that he said before the season isn't matching up with what's doing and what he's saying now in the season. And that's where, like, I don't think Hurts regressed. I think we have to be realistic that there's still a lack of talent around Jalen Hurts to properly grade him. But also, we've got a coach. Let's be honest. Was there anybody else interviewing Nick Sirianni before the season? Was he even, like anywhere like on the outskirts of anyone else's he, he wasn't ready to be a head coach a hundred percent in my opinion so he's still learning can he be a great head coach he, he absolutely could he needs to grow and progress just like Jalen Hurts but you have to take that into account whether you're saying he's regressing or not because he's learning on the job and I don't know if you noticed this at some point in the third quarter Nick Sirianni wasn't even calling plays for a little stretch there he realized he had lost touch so and I question this, and I talked to my friend Chris Romanelli, who's a, on the season ticket you know, advisory board, and he said it is common to an extent that the coach will call the play to the offensive coordinator, who then the offensive coordinator will call it in the quarterback, which I was questioning why that happened because it seems like you know too many steps in the pie. But Nick Sirianni still holds the, the play card. There was a stretch in the third quarter where Shane Steichen was holding the play sheet. So obviously Nick Sirianni realized whatever his game plan was, it wasn't working. 
And there was a little stretch in that third quarter where they start to move the ball a little bit. So regression, no on Hurts to an extent, but he's got to learn to read, you know, read, read these plays better. You know, we've got, I counted a five game stretch starting with the Cowboys. You got the Cowboys, you got the Chiefs, you got the Panthers, you got the Bucks, and you got the Raiders. I had them losing all five of those games, but you could still, you could still progress in those games. And it was not a good start against the Cowboys because Jalen Hurts definitely, he had a, you have to think it was his worst game as a pro so far, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was the worst game by far. Like if, if we just saw the little sample size that we saw and, you know, to touch on something you said, Phil, you said that, you know, you saw Steichen taking over the play calling in the third quarter. And one thing I talked about on the Talking 215 pod was, as I've learned in my life, either professionally from a business or family, is a real sign of intelligence in a human being is their ability to take information and then change their mind on something they were so dead set on. Like if we sat up here and talked about religion, politics, you name it. It doesn't matter what anybody says to give us anything. We're like, nope, I'm voting for this guy. Nope, I believe in this. But the ability to take information and change your thought process and opinion based on that, I think is a mark of intelligence. And for Sirianni to say, hey, this isn't working. I don't have too big of an ego to keep calling these plays and saying, no, I'm the head coach. It's me, it's me, it's me. I think that's not only a sign of intelligence, but somebody who wants the greater good for the team to prevail over his interests. So I do like that. I do like that a lot. And also, uh, Peterson used to do that with Andy Reid in Kansas City as Absolutely. well. That yeah. used to be the transition. That used to be a yeah. phrase. And you were talking about, you know, Sirianni not having gigs lined up. Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, neither one of those were hot guys Absolutely. on the market that interviewed with other Absolutely. teams either. They were under the radar signings. And so I don't know if Lurie's looking at that as like, hey, this is my blueprint for bringing in a coach or whatever it is. But I just think that it's three games in. We got to give the guy credit. And I love, I know we got blown out. I love the fact that he was man enough to say, hey, look, it ain't working. Let's see if you can do it, Steichen. Because that shows me that he wants to do whatever it takes to win. And, and that's and, and actually was my, I would say, outside of Hargrave and Sippos, that was my next biggest positive that I took out of the game. You know, we got rookie head coach, borderline rookie quarterback. There's going to be growing pains. Absolutely. Some of the questions or comments I got on Twitter here, wrong talent around them, not necessarily bad talent. Jalen Hurts is, is far too green to be able to get the most out of these guys. Hey, we could steal one against the Panthers if Christian McCafferty's still out. I don't know. The Panthers were my sleeper team in the NFC. Not necessarily to make a deep run, but to make the playoffs. You know, if, if Sam Darnold is playing average, even without Christian McCafferty, the Chubba guy, he, he's he's a very, very respectable backup for Christian McCafferty. Um, you know, I, I still see the Panthers as an L there, Scotty. Um, yeah, I mean, is it the, the talent? And I really think that comment that the talent, you know, isn't a right match. Like you said it, and then the comment there on Twitter said it, that the talent doesn't all mesh together. It's kind of like the Phillies. You know, you got a lot of good players, but they're not a not a really good meshing group together because you got too many, you know, streaky hitters all playing on the same team. It's the same thing with the Eagles. You brought up Devontae Smith and what he does compared to what Jalen Hurts does. Maybe that is the issue there. Yeah, I think so too. I And, you know, one thing I talked about was with a – it's weird because it's almost like we switched out one for another is with a really mobile quarterback and Hertz is mobile. And that's not a detriment saying the word mobile isn't a bad trait, you know, it's an advantage, mm -hmm. but sometimes mobile quarterbacks rely a little bit too much on their legs as opposed to using it as an outlet instead mm -hmm. of just the main part of a play. When I look at teams like Lamar Jackson or even teams like back in the day with McNabb and, you know, like Steve McNair, Michael Vick, you name it. They never really had precise route runners. It was more of like kind of like a big body receiver, a tight end type, somebody that, you know, could make a play, whether speed downfield, you name it, something like that, which we have a little bit of those components. But it's so funny because I thought in my head, I was like, who would be the perfect receiver for this Jalen Hurts offense? And I thought to myself, 2016 to 17 Alshon might be perfect. A or, big body year, Just, or Justin Jefferson instead of Jalen Rager <laughs> last year. But again, Jefferson's more of that route guy too. So I wonder if I, and I tell people this all the time. I think Jefferson's better than Rager, but I don't think Jefferson would have nearly as much success in this offense as he did in Minnesota's. Alshon Jeffries is still available. He's a free agent right now. If you're in the free agent for a reason, yeah. but, but yeah, to the, to the point, like, with I, the get you, I get what you're saying. 
Yeah, personnel versus scheme, I think it's just not matching up. And Sirianni and Steichen have a big task ahead of them to try to mesh that as best they can. You know, someone's saying they got to use Goddard accordingly. Look, I said it before the season, but right before the season, everyone's like, go out and get a veteran wide receiver. And I said, you know, if you can't, because they're outside of Alshon, you know, there really aren't many quality veteran receivers that were available at the beginning of the season or even now. You've got two really high-end tight ends in Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz that can play that role of leader in the weapon room. I call it the weapon room instead of the wide receiver room or be that almost hybrid wide receiver tight end. You just got to utilize them more. And I, I don't, I didn't see an updated passing chart after Monday night, but I'm sure you saw the passing chart, the ESPN next gen stats thing from the first two weeks. There was not one ball thrown over the middle from Jalen hurts the first two weeks. That's partly Jalen hurts, but that's also partly scheme. So both things need to improve. Both things need to change for sure. No, I completely agree. And with the tight end discussion, if Hertz hits Goddard on that one ball, he's got three catches for over 100 yards and a yeah. possible touchdown. Ertz caught the other one. So I'm hoping that these two tight ends get peppered with more targets, to your point, because they are the quote-unquote old reliable, the young quarterback's best friend, the third right. down chain movers. And then you could use the other guys when you open the field up, when you establish the run game. So like you said, there's a lot of good individual players. They're just not meshing yet in this scheme. And again, Third game, let's give it some time. But to your point, I, I, I just got to comment for Scott. He, he just talked about all this stuff, and we and I, we got to get the Sixers and Phillies talk here in a minute. But we didn't even talk once about Miles Sanders and the lack of his usage. I mean, I mean, it, it's criminal. Let's let's it, be honest, it's criminal. And I think Sirianni knows that. He's kind of admitted yeah. it. He, he, he's he kind of say that. he's like, you got to get the ball, you know, in Miles' hands. However, you know, no matter how it's done, passing, running, whatever. I mean, it. it I mean, I lucked out because in our in the DSM Media Fantasy Football League, I had a huge lead coming into Monday night. But the guy I was going up against had Devontae Smith and Miles Sanders going. So, I mean, it, it worked out in my favor in fantasy football. But but on the flip side of the equation, you can't have a guy get two rushes. You, you, you clear, And I, I don't know if you've noticed this and, and seen this. I talked about it last year. I talked about it this year. This offensive line, not just Miles Sanders being a talent running back, this offensive line, healthy and even the backups, are built to run block, not to pass block. They're all great going forward. It's the pass blocking. It's when some of them struggle. And you got somebody. I, mean, I know Jordan Mailata was out this week, but Andre Dillard, you got Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey. You know, have you seen a, a Doug Peterson stretch run or, or, you know, any of those, you know, outside runs that, you know, these guys are built with any of the big pulls from the guards? No. And, and, that, and that's a big issue there. Again, it's with the, the scheme that they're running. It's, it's a massive issue. Yes. Yeah, someone checking in. Dill, Andre Dillard actually graded out as the second best offensive lineman on uh, Monday night football. You know, if you, if you trust PFFs grades, which I don't, but you know. I don't, I don't trust them yeah. one bit. Yeah. No, I don't trust them. I don't trust them announced, but you know, Hey, you know, yeah. it does help the point a little bit right there. It, no, it does. It, it does to validate some things. And, you know, Phil or anybody listening, if you ask any former offensive lineman, current, former, anybody that's coached O-line, played O-line, if you ask them, would you rather pass block or run block? 11 out of 10 times they're going to say run block. I want to be the guy initiating contact. I know where I'm going. They don't. I, I don't want to just catch a 260-pound freak coming off the edge and try to Absolutely. handle him. So when you have young guys like there and Landon Dickerson and then Sayamalu went out and Andre Dillard's in there who hasn't played in two years, what better way to get their confidence up than to run the ball than to start pounding it, let it do what these guys want to do. So I, I, I was completely thrown off. But, Phil, one thing I want to ask you really quick before we move on. I saw reports that when we beat Buffalo a couple years ago and we beat Green Bay a couple years ago, it was the Jordan Howard game, the Miles Sanders game. We were pounding the rock. We Absolutely. had more rushing attempts than Wentz had pass attempts. I know where you're and going with this. We won it. But there were reports coming out there that Jeffrey Lurie was upset with Doug Peterson and the coaching staff that we didn't throw the ball with more. I'm like, hold on a second. We just won in Lambeau against Rodgers. Hold on a second. We just won in Buffalo against the hottest team in the NFL on a windy day, running the ball. And you want us to throw more? So do you think Lurie is trying to put his, you know, hey, I'm the dad thing here on, you know, a rookie head coach, coaching staff saying you better sling that thing in Dallas on Monday night? Or do you think there's any truth to that? I think there's absolute truth. So I've always said Nick Sirianni was hired to be Howie Roseman's yes man. But Howie Roseman is Jeffrey Lurie's yes man. I absolutely buy that. I mean, I really think 
the crux. If you want, if you want to backtrack for a little bit to Doug Peterson getting fired or quitting, whatever you want to call it, it all comes down to the fact that you know Doug Peterson, like you said before about Andy Reid and Doug Peterson, they weren't hot candidates. Winning the Super Bowl gave Doug Peterson some 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 confidence and also some some swag to to speak his mind probably in the front office and all. But that that's why he didn't stay because he didn't agree with what he was being told to do. Look, I want a Super Bowl. I know what needs to get done. And you're going to tell me what not to do and what to do? So that's why I think Nick Sirianni was brought in because he was asked today, you know, in his press conference, do you have your scheduled weekly meeting with Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie? And, and you can kind of see in his face, I'm big on facial expressions and body language, that his answer totally danced around that. He's like, well, we meet every day. They're always at the practice field. This and no, no. You basically just answered it without answering it. That yes, you meet with them regularly, and they tell you what to do to to an extent. And, and I, I I totally about look. It's a passing league, and the Eagles to Jeffrey Lurie is a business. And I don't know if you know this. I talk about it all the time on different shows and stuff. Jeffrey Lurie never even cared about buying the Eagles. He actually tried to buy the Patriots and got outbid on the Patriots. And his consolation prize was the Eagles. He cares about two things: making money and a, and Super Bowl trophy, like the appearance of that trophy and all. So all he cares about now that he's got that trophy is making money. So making money is passing. That's what gets you on TV. Having a 400-yard passing quarterback, you know, putting up 45 points, that's what makes you money. That's what gets you the primetime games. That's what sells more jerseys and, and and tickets and this, that, and the third. That's all that. That's all he cares about. So he wants them to pass. Well, then he might be a little out of touch with his fan base because – Oh, he's absolutely – I'll tell you what right now. I'm a fan. You're a fan. The people listening to this are fans. Do you care if Hertz has one passing yards and we win by 30 points? Look, let me tell you something. <laughs> I was a fan of Tim Tebow. Not because of this, that, and third, but because of one thing. He won games. When yeah. I watched him, when he was at the Broncos, it was his first year. I don't remember if the game against the Jets. I forget what the final score was. But they were down like 7-3. And he led them down, and he was bowling over linebackers. And he was—he literally put the team on his back, not passing the ball perfectly, but passing and running the ball. He brought that team back, and that game got them into the playoffs. Okay? I don't care how ugly a win is. I just want to win. An ugly, win is, better, an ugly win is better than a pretty loss. Look, I always Period. say the 08 Phillies weren't as talented as the 2011 Phillies. The 08 Phillies won uglier than the 2011 Phillies. What would you prefer, the 2008 Phillies or the 2011 Phillies? I, I like I block out everything people are saying. I block out what you're saying, and all I hear is win and loss, win and loss. Yeah, my that's all is the win. Yeah, that is all it is, dude. I've only had two heart attacks in my life: the night the Phillies won the World Series, and the night the Eagles won the Super. I want more. I want more yeah, heart attacks. Okay, I'll take more. I mean, I didn't really have a heart attack, but my wife did think I had a heart attack that night because I kind of fell to the ground when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and I was crying when the Phillies won the World Series. So yeah, yeah, this city is blue collar. We we want ground and pound. To, yeah, look, I don't know how how old are you, Joey? Man, you're gonna age me right now. 37. I'm old. Thirty-seven. Huh? I'm older than you. Okay? okay, so you know I'm used to the Buddy Ryan, the the mean green defense with Reggie White and Clyde Simmons. You know, you know those Buddy Ryan teams had terrible offenses, but they related to the city because yeah. that's what the city is. I always say I love trench warfare in football. I I've got to interview you know Trey Thomas once a while ago on this show. And, and we talked about trend. I want offensive line and defensive line pounding each other. And that's all I care about. But Jeffrey Lurie doesn't see that. Jeffrey Lurie sees money, primetime games, offense. That's it's, it's what the league is. As a businessman, I understand that. But, but as a businessman, too, I feel like with the revenue sharing system in the NFL, it's impossible for an owner not to make ridiculous amounts of money, whether you go 0 and 17 or 17 and 0. It's so true. It's impossible. It really is. But, yeah, I digress. That's another subject. All right, let's wrap up that part of the show for a little bit. So I got to touch on Sixers and I got to touch on Phillies with you a little bit. Um, I know your Phillies thoughts, so we'll do that last um, because we've, we've I've, I've watched your Phillies talk. Um, but Sixers, okay? Obviously, Ben Simmons, MIA, right? So a lot of stuff that comes up on this show is, uh, yeah, we got got to love trench warfare. Yeah, Nick, I, I love trench warfare. I'm a trench warfare guy. I, that's, that's why I like, even if we're, we're talking Sixers, Clarence Weatherspoon growing up was one of my favorite Sixers. Because he didn't care about scoring 25 points a game. He was an undersized, you know, forward, banging, play, getting rebounds, playing defense. I, I, I love the grinders. That's what I love. 
So Ben Simmons, MIA, obviously. We all know that, right? So I got to thinking today, which I always get to thinking, and it changes agendas on shows and, and whatnot because my mind starts working, the gears start grinding, you know, put a little oil in there, let it go. So he's MIA, and there's obviously a lot of talk that he's not going to play, and I'm sure you saw the graphics of all the money he's going to lose by being fined for not showing up to practice, media day, if he, if he really truly sits out games. So I want to ask you a question. This question popped in my head. I don't even know. I'm hoping your answer influences my answer, okay? Because I'm, I'm not really sure. You're Joel Embiid or Doc Rivers or whoever. Ben Simmons, someone gets in his ear, and finally, maybe Sunday or Monday, Ben Simmons rolls into camp and is like, yo, I was wrong. I want to come back. Because I, I don't want to lose the money, but also I know I'm not going to get traded unless I play, this, that, and the third. Whatever, whatever his reasoning may be. As his teammate or as his coach, you letting him back in the locker room? One, I am letting him back in the locker room because I'm hoping that he gets kind of like a, an old school locker room mean girls butt whooping um, from the rest of the guys. Like, you can't sit with us. I, I've seen that. I've been there. I, I know I know what you're talking about there. I, I'm hoping they kind of do that to him. Um, I'm hoping it's a little awkward and uneasy for him because he made it awkward and uneasy for the rest of the team at media day that instead of talking about them, what they've been doing, how they look forward, all they had to do was field questions about Ben. And then on top of that, it's one thing to be mad at doc. It's one thing to be mad at more. It's one thing to be mad at whoever in your head you think is the problem here. But when you tell the perennial slash, I think should have been MVP Joel Embiid to not a, fly a, out to talk to I him. had a bet on him as MVP as well. And they weren't to, him and Harper weren't Homer. I always make a home. I bet Jalen hurts to win MVP. Just yeah. I always, I I love Homer bets. They're, they're they're fun, but the Embiid and Bryce Harper were not Homer bets. Embiid should have won MVP. Right on. Cost me about seventy five dollars there. Yeah, and and I mean, like I would welcome him back. And I'll be honest with you, if I'm Maury, if I'm Dark Rivers, I lie straight to his face. I'm not kidding, Phil. I'm telling you what I would do. Ben, so happy to have you back, brother. Like I can't <laughs> wait to get this thing. Hey, let bygones be bygones. Bygones be bygones. Hey, Portland, how's it going? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Chicago. Nice. Nice to see it. Yeah. We'll take that. Boom. Good. Ben, I got some great news, brother. I take it. You're out. And that's what I would do, honestly. So I would welcome him back, lie straight to his face, because honestly, I could do a lot worse. Mm -hmm. Sure, Ben, we won't find you. We won't do this, but I'm on the phones, brother. I, I, I love that. I, I love love what the, the, the locker room part of it and what's going to happen, you know, let, let him in. Dude, the fact that they tried. Multiple players tried to get on a plane and go out to LA to bring him here. That tells me I, I don't know how any other team would want him or welcome him into the locker room right now. I mean, he's showing how selfish he is. You know, look, we we could talk about his play on the court. You know, everybody loves to harp on the whole, you know, passing up the dunk to to Matisse Thybul. And and I loved Matisse's, you know, uh press conference the other day where he took credit or, or took took ownership that it was really his fault giving up the, the winning shot and all that kind of stuff. Look, I love that. Matisse showed so much maturity in that moment. Absolutely. But I use that word maturity, which is what Ben Simmons is not showing right now. So, I mean, are we a better team tomorrow if he shows up to camp? Absolutely. But I don't know how any other team gets on the phone, even if he does show up and says, yeah, if, if you say Portland, okay, Portland. Yeah, yeah, I'm not giving up Dame, obviously. And I'm not even giving up C.J. McCollum. You know, how, how could you justifiably want to bring that toxic attitude into your locker room? And now knowing that, you know, the new clutch statement, Rich Paul or whatever his name is, said that he wants a team built around him. How can you even want that? I, I know he's a two-time defensive player of the year candidate and, you know, a two-time all-star. He actually should have won defensive player of the year last year, in my opinion, just like Embiid should have won MVP. How could you want that? And that controversy and that that in your locker room. And that's what I'm having trouble with. I almost think he has to come back and play because, you know, you know, I, I broke down that he you know, the quote that he said he'd sit out the entire year. I, I I can't see him sitting out in the entire year. That's 30 some, 40 some million dollars he'd be leaving on the table. I know he's made a lot of money. That's a lot of money. So yeah. he has to come back at some point to get traded, in my opinion. The absolute audacity and unmitigated gall of Benjamin Anthony Simmons. I don't even know if that's his middle name. I, 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 I couldn't tell you. I was hoping you, you looked like you know what you're talking about there. Hey, I, I'm faking it till I make it here. That, but that's what I do. The audacity 
to want a team built around you to, I, I mean, who look, you, you talked about being a Homer. I got a Ben Simmons Jersey in my closet, man. Like I, I was the biggest Ben guy. Whenever there was debates on him versus Donovan Mitchell, him versus this guy, that guy, I'm like Ben all day. He does so many things you don't know about. You were there too. You understand it. I did. But, Scotty talks basketball multiple times. He asked me multiple shows. Would you trade Ben Simmons right now? I'm like, no, how can you trade a guy? Look, I always said, Joel Embiid has the potential, if he stays healthy long enough, to be one of the top three centers of all time. Shaq right said the same thing. Will. But Ben Simmons, in my opinion, and Stephen A. Smith said this today, but he was Perfect. really stealing my idea because I've, I've talked about this before. Ben Simmons with a jump shot, even a 30% jump shot, has the potential to be LeBron James, which is one of the two greatest basketball players of all time. Yes. LeBron James isn't as good at defense as Ben Simmons is. If Ben Simmons develop, I mean, so like the ceiling of Embiid to Ben Simmons is actually, in my opinion, well, now it's not anymore. But before now was that Ben Simmons' ceiling is higher. Absolutely. But, but he's going how many to be places a giant impact baby and jackass. Yeah, he, I, I just, I don't get it. And it, I, I've, I've seen different things come out each week. It was like, first it was, oh, I'm mad at the fans. Brother, you've been playing in Philly your whole career. Yeah. You're not mad at the fans, okay? One. Two, then it was what Doc Rivers said. Do you remember when we fired Brett Brown because he was too soft on Ben Simmons? So we brought in Doc Rivers, who was supposed to be harder on him. Doc says, yeah, I want to see Ben, you know, be more aggressive offensively. Oh, I don't like that, Ben Simmons. I don't like that. Then it was, I can't play with Joel Embiid because it's not conducive to my style of play. So it's the fans, it's Doc Rivers, it's Joel Embiid, it's the Liberty Bell, you know, it's Cheese Steaks, it's Bryce Harper. What is it, Ben? It's everything but you, brother? Let's talk about math. The common denominator is Ben Simmons. Like, bro, like, you have no You don't see problem. Tobias Harris getting run out of town because he said he puts mustard on his cheesesteak. You brought up cheesesteaks. So, I mean, that's the dumbest thing in the world. But you know what? It doesn't get him run out of town, you know? You and, brought and Phil, up can you, can you think about this? Like, we talked about the fans. We talked about Lurie, Sirianni, and the fans. I know Tom Brady's going back to New England this Sunday to play. Can you imagine – when Ben Simmons comes back to Philadelphia for a game, what that would be like, Phil? Can can you? I, I, so, so I actually thought about that the other day, and I'm thinking about all the events in Philadelphia that ticket prices skyrocketed for different reasons and all. And 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 I go back to, and I'm a wrestling fan at heart. Always been a wrestling fan. The last time the Royal Rumble was in Philly, I mean, ticket it, it actually set the a record for highest secondhand ticket prices ever for an event in Philadelphia. I had these awful nosebleed seats at the, I don't even know what the, was it called the Wells Fargo or what it was called at that, you know, back in 2017. I paid like $390 for these <laughs> God awful seats because I wanted to go to the Royal Rumble. Okay. The first game with Ben Simmons back in Philly, whether it's in a Sixers uniform or on another team. Oh my God. It, it's it's going to be insane. It's, I, don't I might want to pay that money. I might want to go. I'm going to wear my Ben Simmons shirt and I don't burn shirts per se. But we might be doing something DSM wise in the parking lot with my with my bet. I, I, I won't use my jersey. I'll use my my t shirt jersey, you know, to burn or something like that. Yeah, it's it's real it's, bad. It's, I've never seen a guy just absolutely. It's one thing to quit on management. It's one thing to hold out for a new contract. It's one yeah. thing to not like the coach when I'm fired, like an Adam Gase type deal. Right. But you still ride with your boys, your teammates. I love you. All this stuff. He hasn't posted one thing about his teammates. He hasn't. Yeah come out and say, you're my brother, I got your back, all this stuff, yeah. nothing. He didn't want his teammates to even come out and talk to him. That, to me, is the most entitled, disrespectful, this, this comment right egotistical, here. egotistical thing I've ever seen of an athlete. And I thought that was how Le'Veon Bell was. I thought that was how, like, Antonio Brown was. But those guys actually produced at the highest of levels at times in their career before they did that. So, I mean – it's bad. Like I, I, I've never seen anything like this for a guy that has a major flaw in his game. For, for as you know, Philly fan, you're 37. I'm 40. You know, for all the controversies, I mean, there's issues here with Iverson, McNabb, To. You know, going back to Randall Cunningham wearing his jacket inside out. You know, on the sidelines, we've had so many issues. But like you said, I can never remember a situation exactly. This makes the To doing sit-ups. Like nothing, it makes it like a secondary thought in my mind. This has got to be the most 
as Jason says, tone deaf situation and player there's ever been in Philadelphia. And, and you know, I did see somebody, it wasn't Stephen A. Smith. It was another basketball, you know, guy, you know, on Twitter said he stayed, he kept his mouth shut to get paid. But as soon as he got that cash, he, as soon as he signed that contract, he was already in his mind working on his way out of here. He signed it less than a year ago. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, some of the guys you just named, Iverson, McNabb, T.O., Phil, watching them, and, and that's, you know, the era I grew up in too, watching them play, did you ever see them play with fear? Did you ever see them tentative or hesitant ever? I mean, I know we make fun of McNabb throwing up on the field, but he was giving it his all. I mean, T.O. gave it his all with a broken leg. jersey hanging up back there. Yeah. That's not by accident. He's exactly. my favorite eagle of all time. He was till he bailed on my birthday party show that he promised to come on and then he bailed on it. But dude, he's my man. You know, what and I mean? then you got Iverson, who was five foot eleven, dying on the court, wanted to play every minute of every game. And these guys showed up amongst some of the most hated criticism that we've seen in this city, and they yep. endured through it, they embraced it. And Bede said it the best. Yeah, they're gonna boo. Absolutely, they're gonna boo when you're playing bad. But guess what? Nobody's gonna love you harder when you play well. Nobody. Yeah, I mean that's a per- that's a perfect way to end that that second to last segment. I got one more question, but you brought something up, and I want to backtrack because we were talking about Sirianni and everything else. You know, you said Brett Brown was soft on you know Ben Simmons, and I waited too long to criticize and hold Brett Brown accountable. I waited too long to criticize Brett Brown and Ben Simmons. You know, so I think that almost is why I'm holding Nick Sirianni to a different level after three games right now, because I look, if you, if you go back on tweets from a year, two years ago, shows a year, two years ago, and how I stuck up for these guys when everyone was telling me X, Y, and Z about these guys, I almost think, and, and I'm not making this as a joke. I almost think that has influenced me on what I think about Nick Sirianni. Cause I don't want to be, I don't, I, I, everybody knows I'm wrong all the time. I'm the probably the most, honest person about admitting when I'm wrong on Twitter. But on the flip side of the equation, I don't want to be let down and, and, and have to admit to myself, look, you know, I think I know a little bit about sports. I don't just pretend sometimes. <laughs> but, man, you know, I was so wrong about those guys. I don't want to be wrong about Nick Sirianni again. So I might be taking my Nick Sirianni criticism too far because of what's happened with the Sixers lately. You you sound like you're on the couch and I'm your therapist right now and you just had a flash moment of like maybe it's I had it about a 10 child. Minutes ago, but I was waiting till you finished to, to get maybe, that out. Maybe there. as a child I didn't play yeah. outside enough and that's oh, let me, why. Let me lay down, put my feet up here. You know? <laughs> that, that really sounds like you're coming yeah. to Jesus moment right there. Like, yeah, was it all along Brett Brown? Did he do this oh, to me? In my thoughts I, I realized that. <laughs> you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like mm-hmm. as Philly fans, we've been we have so many scars from the past. That we don't trust the new relationship that comes into our life, Nick Sirianni. We're like, nah, there's got to be something wrong about you. I don't, I don't feel right about this. I dated a girl named Andy back in the day, and that didn't work out so good. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those like, is that what happened to us? Is that why we're scarred? Probably. Oh man. All right. Final <laughs> thing, because we keep talking about coaches and and players. Obviously, I don't know what the final score of the Phillies game is. I don't even know if it's over yet. Um, they were losing three one when we were on the air, dude. I know a lot of people were holding out hope. I know a lot of the DSM. Don't look up the guys, score. Don't Jeremy, look up the score. George, you know, don't look it up is what you're saying? No, don't. All right. don't. I was about to move my mouse. I'm not. It means they're losing again. Look, a lot of guys on DSM media, they're being very positive. Even as of yesterday, they thought we still had a chance to make the playoffs. No. I did not, obviously. Okay. Look, the Phillies are a bad team. Oh, of course, somebody's always got to check in with a score. Everybody's always got to check in with a score, you know? Thank you. I appreciate that, but it's not good. Um, yeah, you want to you'll, you'll wait till tomorrow night. You're on my show tomorrow night. So. Hey, hold up. Jason Voorhees was the one that said we don't get on Bryce Harper enough for his statistics. And ever since he I, said that, Bryce has been the MVP and the best player in the history. I, of the I know. I know. Hey, look. So we, I just want to make that love, statement right. I remember that. All right, we lo- we love Jason. You know, but on the flip side, yeah, trade, <laughs> it's all fun. Yeah. It's all fun. Yeah. Hey, he's admit just like me. He, I, I've taught him something. I've taught him to admit his mistakes. And you he's admitting mistakes on that. That's all you gotta do. I'm called a flip flopper all the time because I change my you know thoughts. No, no, whatever. So here's the thing. Obviously, me and you both knew, and Jason knew the season was over a while ago. Okay, mm-hmm. people didn't want to admit it, but it is. Oh, so somebody wants to have a scoot rant. I'll, I'll let you close the show with a scoot rant. I don't know what a scoot's rant is, but you could do a scoot rant. Oh, 
Adam saying that the score changed already, 7-2 now. Even better. Hey, I love it. So, offseason. This is something, again, the wheels started churning in my head earlier today. Obviously, there's a lot of issues. And Dave Dombrowski hasn't even had a full offseason yet to shape and fix the issues, which are plentiful on this team. But I was watching the game last night. There was nothing on TV last night. I'm laying on the couch watching the game. And I, I, was, I saw Joe Girardi in the dugout. Should Joe Girardi be fired? Yes. Thank you. You want a, you want a longer answer than that? Because it's yes. I mean, I mean, I could ask for a Scoots rant. I don't know what that is, but dude, Joe uh, Girardi. I, I was so excited when we got rid of Gabe Kapler for Joe Girardi. Thought he was probably one of the best coaching hires we could have made. But I posted that on Twitter earlier today or yesterday, whenever I did it, and everyone's like, "No, it's Dabrowski's fault or not not enough time. Kapler's fault. It's all these other people's fault." But Joe Girardi, I don't think Joe Girardi is the right guy for this team. But also on the flip side of the equation, I don't know about you, but I'm again, I said it before about the Eagles. I'm a body language guy. I'm a facial expression guy. He doesn't look like he wants to even coach the team anymore. Not only that, he was a guy that was in the most amazing situation with the Yankees. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, I know that our bullpen's bad. Look, I get that, but a good manager slash coach knows how to utilize different people in high leverage situations mm -hmm. versus not high leverage situations. Bringing in your closer when you're up eight runs in the ninth isn't smart. Okay. And didn't they need him the next night and he couldn't go? Exactly. Bringing in Ramon Rosso or Eniel De Los Santos in the bottom of the eighth with the bases loaded isn't smart. Okay. Absolutely. Last night, Okay, Didi Gregorius has played for Joe with the Yankees. I hope you didn't bring that up so I could actually use that as my point right there. I'm about to go there. Yeah. Joe is a creature of habit where if you've ever played for him, said hello to him in your life, or looked him in the eyeballs, he's going to play you over someone more talented. Do you know that when we knew we were going up against Max Freed, a lefty, in this series, Joe said we called up Alec Bohm because he's been hot. He's a right-handed bat that hits left-handed pitching good. Last night with the entire season on the line, bases loaded, ninth inning, one out, Didi Gregorius comes up, who's batting 121 against lefties with Alec Bohm sitting on the bench and a lefty reliever. He keeps him in the game. You can't explain this to me. You can't. You can't possibly tell me why these things happen. And Girardi has no other explanation other than we just felt right with those guys. Joe, look at the numbers. Look what he's batting against lefty on lefty. It's one of the worst in the world. Look what McCutcheon is against righties. Look at what any of these guys are batting and hitting. I don't understand. But And all he says is we felt comfortable. So you got to give me an explanation, Joe, or you got to get out. Look, I'm going to say, I guess that's what a scoots rant is right there. Um, I had to put that up there for you there. Um, look, this team is so far. I mean, I know they've got 81 wins. They'll probably win either tomorrow night against the Braves or one game against the Marlins, finish with a winning record for the first time in God knows how long. But this team is so far from contending right now. Beyond. I mean, I mean you need pitch. I mean, how many, you know, you know, Jason, bringing up Hans Gruber pitching a, you know, a pennant race game. How many times in the last month did we have to go to a, a bullpen game? That's not what a contending team does. Or trotting Matt two, Moore out there. Two, three starting pitchers this team needs. And I said it before the season, and everyone said, oh, Jace, uh, Chase Anderson, you know, Moore, you know, one of those guys will, you know, be okay. And all. No, we need three starting pitchers. You know, maybe two, but, you know, I would love to see three new starting pitchers. You need two or three new bullpen. You need multiple guys in the lineup. You can't have a lineup built around streaky batters. And every single guy in our starting lineup, they're streak, streak hitters. And when they all go cold at the same time, you see what happened last night where, or two nights ago when they had like two, three hits. You know, it, it, it's bad. It really is. I just love that you agreed with me on it because that was one thing that we, we – I figured we could all agree on one thing tonight. And, you know, the Phillies, Joe Girardi. I wanted to ask you something since, since you're so in, in tune with the Phillies and everything like this like I am with Joe Girardi, what we're talking about. What do you think is more possible, that Joe Girardi's a bad manager or that the entire Phillies lineup is really stupid? And, and I'll pose this question a different uh, – another way. You got a pitcher that you're going up against that throws five straight balls, right? Six straight balls, eight straight balls, walks the first two batters. The next batter up swings at the first pitch and grounds into a double play. This guy's shown he just walked the first two batters. Why are you swinging first pitch? 
Don't you want to put the pressure on him? Is there no I, signal going in there? I, I think that I think that falls on the manager. Because look, exactly. I, I'm not a big analytics guy like Gabe Kapler level. But I understand in this day and age, with the way computers are, way the way the world is, and you know, the amount of analytics that are out there, there is a part of baseball that analytics can help you. And I don't want to call what you just said analytics, but to an extent it's analytics. Look, this is what the guy's doing. Yo, as you're walking off out of the batter's box, yo. This guy's going to do this. Look, it's it's that simple. But if he's not telling these guys that, and these guys are just going up there and swinging at what they want to, you know, it's an issue. And Phil, analytics aside, if Didi's batting 120 against a lefty and Bohm is batting 386 against a lefty. Well, that, that's analytics to me. That's like the max of my analytics knowledge right there. You know, I, I don't go into the deep, deep dives into it. You know, simple batting average, runs, RBIs, that's my analytics. I, I still count the old school stats. As important and all, so. But then, what so, is he doing if he's not if he's not seeing? He's that, not doing anything. Doing? That's the thing. Like literally, the last last night, I noticed it more emphatically. But I've noticed it a lot in the last month. He's in that dugout. He doesn't look like he even wants to be there. He doesn't look like he cares. I want a manager that has some fire, some interaction with their players, like coaching them up, doing do anything. Yo, you guys are literally your season's on the line. And you're throwing out duds against the Diamondbacks, the Pirates, and all these teams. Look, you want to lose two out of three of the Braves? That's fine. The Braves are a better team than the than the Phillies are. But we didn't need to win two out of three or three out of three against the Braves. If we would have won some of those games the last couple of weeks, we might actually be in first place right now coming into this series. And it's a whole nother ballgame. But if you know falls what we need on... to do last year? You know what we need to do last year? Out of our last eight games, we needed to go two and six yeah. in our last eight games. We went one and seven and missed the playoffs by one game last year. Joe Girardi has a tendency to have teams fall flat at the end of the season. When you it's don't not, have Mariano Rivera not, coming out of that bullpen, it's a well. There you go. Outside game, of huh? that, that one, that that team, you know, look, it's not it's not the 09 Yankees anymore that he's coaching. The Marlins weren't good, you know. The Phillies aren't good. He just might not be a good coach. When you have a team that that, that 09 Yankees team, Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit, you know, hold on, how many? Everyone got busted for juicing. Every single one of those guys got busted and, for juicing. And, right and how many of them, if you take the juice out of the equation, how many of them are Hall of Famers on that team? <laughs> I mean, if juicers we, got into the Hall of Fame, how many juicers would be in the Hall of Fame off that team? We could have managed that team. Dude, I'm an awful manager and coach, but I could have literally just sat in the dugout, you know, pulled a Jim Leland and smoked a cigarette every day. And, and hey, and Mariano. Could, yeah, yeah. Ninth inning? Yeah, right, 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 yeah, yeah. It's done. Yeah. You know, I got somebody on Twitter checking in saying Girardi held that Yankees team back. Hey, that, that that's, <laughs> that's possible right there. Yeah, Joey, this has been a blast, man. Absolutely fantastic. You know, Joey K from two one talking two one five Scooter Miguel. You know, Frankie was checking in on Twitter. You know, he says uh, James needs uh, three more followers at five hundred. I don't know what James's Twitter handle is, uh, but let's get him. Let's just get the whole talking two one five guys. You know, more press and more love. Dude, you guys do great work. I enjoyed your show last night, guy. That you guys did, um, it was great. And you guys are really passionate and knowledgeable, and that and that's what I love. You know, you don't you don't need to have a big wig from ESPN on a show to have passion and knowledge on a show. Um, so you guys do a great job. We're like like you said, Phil. We're out here in the trenches, man. We're yeah. not we're not big time. We're not ESPN. We're in you the trenches, what? giving it to you live, baby. So talking two one five. Phil Stifle, Bearded Knowledge, DSM Media, man. It's the Dude, best. Let me tell you something. I always say one thing on social media all the time, and I try to tone it down a little bit because I, I don't want to get blocked by any more people because I've been blocked by too many big-name people. Yeah. I say, hashtag, why I stopped listening to Sports Talk Radio. Talking 215, DSM Media, and there's countless others. Drunk on Broad, Sports and Metal. You know, There's countless great networks out there that put in hard work, not for money, but for passion and for the love of what we do. And more people need to turn that dial off. You don't need some fancy contraption. You can just hook YouTube up into your car, listen to the shows, Spotify, whatever it is. We're all on all these networks. Listen to the podcast. Don't listen to Sports Talk Radio. Because, look, do we really need another? Does Carson Wentz need to be the quarterback in Philadelphia poll again? I swore yeah. that that was going to be the poll question on Tuesday morning. Yeah, I, I swore should, who should be the starting quarterback was going to be the poll question. Look, wait till, wait till Nick Foles starts a game for the Bears, then it's going to be oh my God. They, Hey, Matt Nagy said there's a chance this week. So, you know, I dropped Justin Fields and picked up Nick Foles in my fantasy league. No, just kidding. <laughs> but, look, thank you, Joey, so much for coming on. Hey, and I, I did hear at the beginning of the show, I meant to shout out the at the beginning of this show, heard in your last show, here you're a new expecting father. Congratulations. 
Um, that's fantastic news Thank right you. there. You know, Thank you. you know, nervous times, I'm sure, but also exciting times as well. Um, so congratulations on that. And congratulations for all the success at Talking 215. Again, DSM Media, eight shows right now. We're looking at adding a couple more shows to our network. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, whatever it is. Make sure you got those notifications on. We'll continue to pump out great content, just like Talking 215. Um, tomorrow night, I'll be back at 9 p.m. with Jason Sullivan doing our show DFS. No punt intended, our fantasy football show. And my man, Jason Voorhees. You know, my man, he knows his fantasy football. He's going to be joining the show tomorrow night. Um, we won't have to worry about any bad Sixers or Phillies takes. It'll be straight fantasy football talk. I'm going to talk about my Christian McCafferty injury on my team and how I continue to have the highest scoring team in the DSM fantasy football league. I'm not sure how I'm going to get Jason's advice on that uh, situation tomorrow night. So make sure you're following us. We'll all have a great night. And Joey, we end every show with one simple thing. Go birds. Go birds, baby. Go birds. <laughs>